morning, everyone. I, um, I had some flashbacks while I was just up there playing um, back in the day. Um, we used to, yeah, it didn't sound as, as good when I was up here, but um, these guys have some serious talent, um, which is absolutely awesome. And it's, it's good to be back. Um, I've been hanging out for a week with the, with the school. It is a little bit different to when I left. Um, but um, it's an extreme blessing to be able to come here and have a chat to you guys this morning. Um, I think it's still morning. They threw, it, they threw me under the bus a little bit um, because they do the chapel before lunch. And so it starts off in the morning and then it ends up in the afternoon. And so you're halfway through your talk and you, you're all of a sudden in the afternoon. So this morning, afternoon, I apologise if I get it wrong, um, but I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Um, just before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, being able to come and um, just have a chat to come and fellowship together with some food and, and friends and listen to some music or be involved with music. And Lord, we, I just praise you because this place exists. And it only exists because of you. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you'll guide, guide the words that we read, guide my words as I speak. And Lord, hopefully hopefully we can open some doors in the hearts and um, refresh, refresh old connections to you. So thank you, Lord. We love you. Can't wait to see you in your name. Amen. So Israel had just come out of Egypt, and I challenged uh, the high school students this week with a story about the Red Sea. And the Red Sea was that thing where, where Moses stands up and holds his hands up, and the two walls of water go up either side, and Israel walks through the middle. And there had to be someone to take that first step. And so I talked about that for a little bit. Well, we're going to continue on the story of Israel onto the other side of the Red Sea. But then there's another. The Israelites had just spent a lot of time in Egypt and they'd spent a lot of that time as slaves. And so not only were they slaves, but they would have been told exactly what to do and exactly when to do it. They would have been told, now's the time to eat. They would have been told, now's the time to drink. Now's the time to go to the toilet. Now's the time to go and build that brick. And if they didn't do what they were told, then they'd get the whip cracked over them. Horrid times. But here's a community that has, that has entered into the Red Sea, come out the other side, and they were free. For the first time in a long time, they were free from the Egyptians. And so they really didn't quite know how to live. They didn't know the basic structure of life. And so you can sort of imagine their leaders. We've got Moses, we've got Aaron, we've got Miriam, we've got a bunch of other guys that, that, that got sort of voted in. And you can imagine them sort of trying to guide these people that just had no idea. That's pretty much every, every conversation I have. I've got no idea what's going on. But Moses had an interaction with God. Moses had an interaction with God and it was on Mount Sinai. They parked camp at the bottom of Mount Sinai and Moses decided, I'm going to go for a walk up the mountain. And so that's what he did. And he went up for a walk up the mountain and had a conversation with God. And in Exodus 20, we find this conversation. And it's one of the only times that God actually used his own finger to write something in stone. And it was the Ten Commandments. And if I were to title this talk, I've been apologising, this is a side note, I've been apologising to the English teachers all week because I don't speak too good. Um, 
I get lazy with my sentences. And so if I were to title this talk, it would be Rules is Rules. Rules is Rules. Because, because up on the mountain, Moses received these tablets, these, these blank bits. Well, no, they weren't blank, but they had words on them, these tablets, these bits. of A quick look at those ones because that's going to set us up for looking at some other ones down the track. So let's, let's have a quick look. I'm just going to run through them with you. I didn't put them all on the screen, but I'm going to run through them with you because there's a little bit tacked on the end that sometimes we miss. Sometimes we miss. And for those of you that have your Bibles or your iPads or your phones or whatever it is that you use uh, to read stuff, then uh, whip them out. Exodus 20 is where we're, we're sitting at the moment. I'm reading from the NIV version this morning. Um, that's just the one that I, I like to connect to. And so Exodus 20, and it starts off quite good. And it says, God spoke all these words. That's easy. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So God's even taking note here that, that these guys have been in slavery for a long time and they don't quite know how to live. And God's going, righto, I'm going to help you. This is what's going to happen. And then, bam, straight into the list. And it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Righto. You, should make, uh, you shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or, or in the heavens or above the earth or even beneath the earth or even under the waters. And you shall not bow and punish the children of sin of the parents in the third and fourth generation. That's a whole other thing. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and my commandments. Highlight that sucker. That's a good one. All right, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold anyone uh, guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And then all those ones there that we've just read, just skimmed over to do with God, a relationship with God. And now we're entering into um, another section of, of the, the rules. And these ones are to do with how to live, right? And so um, I think I did verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 12, we're skipping a few, says, Honour your father and your mother. And there's a lot of parents in the audience going, Amen. Amen. Preach it, brother. Thank you. Preach it, brother. Honour your, <laughs> honor your mother and your father, so that you may live long and shall not murder. 14, you shall not commit adultery. 15, you shall not steal. 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. 17, you shall not covet your neighbour's house. You, covet's a fancy word for I want that really bad. You shall not covet um, your, no, your neighbor's wife or his, um, or his male or female servants, his ox or his donkey, his Ferrari, his jet ski, his, all that kind of stuff. That's what it's talking about. And so Moses is having this interaction with God and, and it gets these tablets of rules and all that kind of stuff. But then there's this weird interaction at the end that I'm going to highlight for you guys this morning. And it is on the screen, this one. So you can just look to the screens or continue on in your, your Bibles in verse 18. Did I do verse 18? Look at that. I'm better than I thought. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. And they stayed at a distance. We've got Mount Sinai, this, this prominent mountain in the area. They're in the wilderness, which would have been ups and downs and all that kind of stuff. But there was a prominent mountain, and that was Mount Sinai. And here's this mountain that's covered in smoke. And there was thunder, and there was lightning, and there's this whole theatrical event happening in front of them. And it says that they trembled with fear. 
And it's not the same fear as in, as in fear God, respect God, whatever. This is, this is messed up fear. And they stayed at a distance, verse 19. And said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but don't have God speak to us uh-uh, or we will die. So, so they are absolutely petrified because of what's happening, the theatrical fiesta that is happening in front of them. And, and they're saying, Moses, uh-uh, don't let God talk to us. We want, we want you to talk to us. You'll be a bit, bit nicer, we reckon. Or we will die, even. And Moses said to the people, I love it. And I've told you guys, the high school guys, quite a bit of this week, that there's often some funny phrases in the Bible. And I love the do not be afraids. That's one of my highlights in the Bible. You get all these magical things happening, angels coming down. You get um, people interacting or whatever, and then, and then someone throws in, the author throws in this, do not be afraid. Like when you think about it, of course you're going to be petrified. Anyway, side note. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So God is this parental figure. And he's given them some instructions to live. And, and we have this picture of God being created that is the, the, the cloud and the lightning and the thunder. And, and we have this, this sort of, God's going to help us out. Because if, if, there, if there is no sort of punishment, I guess, then there is no right and wrong, maybe. I don't know. Think about that for a second. And so we have this picture in Exodus of these people that had no idea to live. So God's gone, I'm going to help them out. It's sort of like when I was younger. Um, I used to catch um, the bus to school, uh, the good old BAC bus. Mrs. Vickery was a bus, different Mrs. Vickery than what, what used to work here. Um, Ropers, you might remember Mrs. Vickery. Yeah? Um, Mrs. Vickery used to drive the bus and we used to have to wait for the bus for a little bit and I'd be sitting in, in Dad's XD Falcon for those that are car savvy and um, it used to have a cigarette lighter. You guys know the ones and you used to push the button and it used to hit an element on it that used to heat up. Anyway, I was sitting there with Mum. I must have faked sick for the day and um, I was sitting there with Mum waiting for my brother to come up, come back from school and I was playing with a cigarette lighter and Mum says, you probably don't want to touch the end of it. What do I do? Yeah, 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 you guys know exactly what happened. So I push the button, wait for it to pop, pull it out of the dashboard. You know? And then burn, of course. You know, and obviously I was young, maybe. I might have been 13. No, I was, I was only six or something like that. So burst into tears. Mum had to deal with a crying crying kid in the car and my brother coming home and all that kind of stuff she had no actually she probably did have water because the radiator used to have overheat so anyway but the thing is right we've got these boundaries and God's putting boundaries in place for the Israelites God's putting boundaries in place for the Israelites one of my bucket list items was to go see the ashes at Lord's there was a moment in time 2001 does it, does it make you guys, like, I'm talking to high school parents, does it worry anyone else that when you have to say sentences like that? Like, Y2K, these guys have no idea what that was. People filling up bathtubs, the world's going to explode, all that kind of stuff. And then these kids are just sitting there going, what? What is he talking about? I feel old. Um, 
2001, there was a guy by the name of Steve Waugh. And I believe Steve Waugh is, is one of the most naturally gifted batsmen that Australia's ever seen. I was actually a bigger fan of his brother, Mark Waugh, but Steve Waugh, there was just something about him. If Australia needed runs, there was a bloke coming in at number five, and that was Steve Waugh. And Steve Waugh, he, in this particular test match, he had a brain fade. He was on 47 runs. He was on 47 runs, and he was sort of getting his eye in, and he was doing all right. He was doing the blocks, and he was letting the balls go and all that kind of stuff, and he was doing the nice sort of chip off the legs and everything. But there was a moment in this test match that he will never forget. And it's, his brain just went into auto, automatic mode. And I've got a little clip. It wouldn't be a refreshed Simo sermon without a cricket clip. Well, that's worth a shout. And, oh, he's got to be out. He's just hit it with his hand, and they're appealing, and he's been given out. Steve Waugh, uh, I think he was more worried about the LBW appeal, and he was looking at the umpire and suddenly heard the ball bounce near the stumps. The automatic reaction was to put his hand out. The first appeal was for LBW, and then the Indian players started appealing for handle the ball, and Steve Waugh had to go. So in 2001, Steve Waugh had a brain fade. Because, let me just explain, for those people that aren't cricket lovers, I'm t <laughs> what are we doing with the next generation? Come on! Steve Waugh had faced up, okay? And the ball came down the pitch. Oh, just bear with me. The ball came down the pitch for a little bit, okay? And he, he went to sort of defend the ball. And the ball struck him in the leg, and that's why they were talking about LBW, which stands for leg before wicket, okay? Which you can get out for in cricket, especially if you're not playing a proper shot. And so Steve Waugh, Steve Waugh thought they were appealing for that, and he thought the ball was dead. That usually means that you can't do anything with the ball when the ball's dead. And so Steve Waugh reaches out with his hand. It's a natural sort of thing. Reaches out with his hand and whacks the ball away. You're not allowed to do that in cricket. And so the, the other team appealed, and he was given out. And the funny thing is, rules is rules. And so Steve Waugh had to go. And if you watch the, watch the vision in normal time, you'll find out that, that Steve Waugh realised exactly at that moment that he touched the ball, just as the ball's leaving his hand, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he started walking. And as I was trying to find that footage last night, I went down the deep hole that YouTube gives you. <laughs> and I started looking at the other times that people have been dismissed, gotten out, um, by handling the ball. And there's not that many. There's not that many. It's an interesting sort of thing, but all of them are a reflex action. All of them are, are sort of this, this moment in time where the, where the human self sort of just goes back to what it knows, goes into sort of survival mode. And so, so as, as Steve Waugh or whoever else is there um, is at, at the crease and the ball's about to hit their wicket, they go into survival mode. And they don't think to whack it with their bat. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to keep the, bat from hit, uh, keep the ball from hitting the stumps with your bat. You can't do it with your hand. But they naturally reach out and either bat the ball away or even grab the ball. It's a natural thing. And so Israel, while they were still learning how to live, they would end up going, to, going back into a natural sort of state. 
every now and then. And we see this through Israel's history as they're interacting with each other and with God. We see these ups and downs where they're close with God and then they'll go down and move far away from God. And then they're close with God, far away from God, right up until the time of Jesus. And that's where we're going to head next. Because there's another mountain that I want to talk to you about this morning. There's a mountain in our logo, and we've talked about the mountain during the week and different illustrations and stuff, but there's another mountain that we're going to focus in on, and it's in the book of Matthew. So if you, if, once again, if you have your devices or Bibles, I want you to switch across to the New Testament. And we're going to go to Matthew's accounts of the gospel. And Matthew, sometimes it is easier to swipe. We enter, we enter into a famous sermon. And, and Jesus is on this mountain. And some people like to link the, the, the stories of the five loaves and two fish to this story or whatever else. But Matthew doesn't. Matthew, Matthew just gives us this speech that Jesus does. And if you do have your Bible with you, you'll notice that it is all sort of italicized and in, in indented and stuff in your Bible. And, and some like to think, and I like to think, that it is taken exactly how Jesus said it. There is some more because it said that he talked for ages, but this is the highlighted bit. And once again, Israel had sort of forgotten how to live. They were under Roman rule. Their religious leaders of the time had... had sort of forgotten what it's like to live. And so Jesus creates a word picture. Jesus creates a word picture and gives us these, these list of beatitudes is what we call it in Bible land. But he gives us these, these lists of rules. And we're going to start in verse 1, chapter 5, and it says, Now when Jesus saw the crown, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. Whenever a teacher, whenever a rabbi had something important to, to say, he sat down. You guys, uh, for those that were here during the week, you guys remember talking about when Jesus came down to the water's edge and sat in the boat to teach the people. He had something important to say. And so Jesus sat down and his disciples came around him and he began to teach. And in verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus gives us a word picture 
on how to live. Jesus gives us this, this example on how to live. And, and the story continues. It doesn't stop there because the constant teaching of Jesus gives us this picture on how we are to live. There's, a, there's a, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Everyone knows a little part of the Lord's Prayer. And if you don't know it all off by heart, there's definitely a little, little part that everyone does know. And it's the, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. These, these words that we've just talked about here gives us a glimpse of what Jesus is talking about in the Lord's Prayer when he says, Thy kingdom come. Because if we were to live like these words have been, that we've just read, if we were to live like that, we would catch a glimpse, we'll have a picture. You think about that for a second? We would have a picture of God's kingdom here on earth. I'm going to invite the band up. And um, while we are establishing that picture... Maybe, just maybe, we're in a society, maybe we're in a, in a community, maybe we're, we're struggling to build connections and all that kind of stuff. But, but if we live by these little, this little list of blessed are those, maybe life would be a little bit different. Maybe we're living in a time that we've, we've, we've forgotten how to live. Maybe we're living in a time where, where someone needs to take a step. And, and, and maybe that someone isn't just one person. Maybe that's a group of people. Maybe that's, that's a few people that, that meet together on, on, a, on a Saturday at North Pine Christian College. If we, were to, if we were to all take up the challenge of living like this, can you imagine the community that we would live in? Can you imagine the community that we live in? And as these guys, are, these guys are setting up, I'm just going to do a quick rundown and tell you how all this week sort of connects together to this moment. And it's, it's quite simply that on the very first day that we talked, high school students, on the very first day we talked, we talked about the, the people around you can actually influence what happens to you. They can influence your connection. They can, they can take you to the feet of Jesus and be healed. And we talked about the, the lame man that got dropped through the roof. And then day two, day two, we talked about the, the Red Sea and we talked about the, the guy stepping out and having the courage to go, well, there's a wall of water there, there's a wall of water there. I can see the dry land, but I don't know what it's going to be like to walk through it. Day three, we talked about the, the mysterious army of fiery chariots around the city. That, that, the, that Elisha's servant couldn't see what was going on around him, but then Elisha simply prayed, hey, God, open his eyes. <laughs> God's not done with us yet. We can't see the bigger picture. And we continued to challenge throughout the rest of the week, and, and we talked about Jesus on the cross using the crosses, crosshairs and taking God's red hot anger towards sin off of us and pointing it on him on the cross. And then yesterday, we kind of talked about what do we do with that information? And we encouraged 
people to make a decision. And I don't know if you've seen it. There's some pretty cool stuff up there. There's a bunch of students that put their name on the service um, panel. And that was just simply, it could be something simple that you pick a couple of people and you serve them. The Bible study one, well, that's finding out more information about, about the stories that we've talked about. And then, and then there's a baptism one, which is absolutely awesome because there's actually a baptism happening right now down at Pine Rivers because one of the middle school kids put up their hand, not this week, but in the past, and she's signed it, sealed, delivered. How cool is that? And then this last one is a new one, which we chatted about during the week, and it simply says you. And it was a challenge that we put out to the high school students of what do you want to do when you grow up? And, and within that sort of that moment, you can choose whether you just do it for you or you can do it for God. And I gave some illustrations of I know a bunch of people that were, were builders and stuff like that. They all got together and did a fly and build talents to do stuff for God. And so that was them putting their hand up saying, I want to do this, but I'm going to, absolutely, I'm going to do it for God. And so we're going to get the house lights up just a little bit more for me, if that's cool, please. And um, I'm going to encourage people, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there's some little Nikos, Nikos, if everyone knows what a Nico is. But anyway, a paint pen or whatever they're called over there. And if, if you'd like another opportunity, or parents, if you'd like an opportunity to go over and have a chat, we just ask you to put your name last name and maybe just an R beside it just so Sarah can tell who it is and chase you up but that's cool if there's if there's no one that wants to add to it but feel free even after the service or at least go have a look at the boards it's pretty cool but how it all links together is it's not just a once-off thing we've got all these illustrations all along the stage but it's not just a once-off thing. And these little instructions that Jesus gave us at the Sermon on the Mount give us the picture of how to live for Him. And that's always been the dream of Refresh, was to have a community that lived to get just one more person to build the kingdom. That was it. That's the... That's what we're here for. That's why we exist.